Kia ora, friends. Uh, I just wanted to start by saying two things. One, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for emailing. Thank you for being a part of what Commoners Communion is and uh, the encouragement that you give me. It's a real pleasure to have you listening in, and I, I hope that these episodes have been speaking to you. I know this last little season has been, these last kind of episodes have been uh, really specific, and for some people it will be speaking into your life and others not. Um, so thanks for joining me. Thanks for helping to build this community and, and coming along for the journey. The second thing is that the Pros to Poetry Tour starts this week. I'm really excited about it. We, uh, we've we added Topor into the, the list of cities. We're starting in Topor this Thursday night. Uh, then we head to Wellington on Friday night and Masterton on Saturday day. And it's going to be a really beautiful time, and I'd love you to come. And the reason is because these events will be whatever the community makes them to be. They are community meetings. I'm going to share around living a life of poetry. Uh, I might play a song or two if my health's up for it. I'm going to share some stories and then it's going to become a Q&A discussion time. We're going to talk about this. How do we transform our communities to center around beauty, mystery, and revelation? How do we give expression and Aotearoa to what God is doing right here, right now in our midst? So this tour will be what you make it, not what I make it. I, uh, I'll bring my conversation to the table, but I need you to come and bring yours. Come and share with us. Come and, and uh, be part of a whānau. If you don't have uh, a community this is a great place to come and meet like-minded people who are going through a similar journey to you and to be encouraged and to find love there. So come along, head to commonerscommunion.com forward slash pros to poetry tour to get the details for every event or find me on Facebook or Instagram connect. It's not too late to add your city to the list. If you want me to come to your city, I'm open to coming down south. Uh, so if you're in Christchurch, Dunedin or Queenstown and you're, you're keen to host an event or coordinate something with me, do get in touch. I'd love to talk to you um, and we'll just see where this thing leads. Can't wait to see you this week. Over the last number of episodes, we've been looking at themes of exile, finding newness, and God redeeming the the seasons in our life that are difficult. And a huge part of that has been looking at what it means to walk out of these seasons or to see them in a new light. And it's been really beautiful connecting with uh, some of you who have shared your own stories with me, and uh, and I've been really excited to hear that there has been changes going on in people's lives. So today I wanted to talk about practicing newness. What does it look like for us in these seasons to start to walk out of an old season and into a new? And it can be very hard at times to grapple with that, especially if you're dealing with hurt, if you're cynical, if you've got real reason to be angry or to feel abandoned by God or others it can take a lot of discipline and be a really uh, difficult journey to navigate, finding how to unwind that stuff, to become emotionally healthy, to become physically healthy, to become spiritually healthy. So today I wanted to share uh, a little bit of my own story and how I've walked out of some stuff over the last year and then look at the resurrection of Jesus because last week um, or two weeks, two, two Sundays ago was Resurrection Sunday. And it's kind of beautiful that we've been leading into this moment of resurrection together. 
But resurrection changes everything. Resurrection uh, gives us the opportunity to engage in the Christian practice of newness. And uh, I want to share a little bit about what that means later in the podcast and then hopefully look at some really practical tips. What does it tangibly, physically, practically look like for us today to start walking out of where we've been and into something new? Especially if we're not feeling it. Especially if we can't see it and we still feel hopeless. Because often God speaks into the hopeless situations and we're left saying, what do we do now? God's saying this and how do I walk out of it? So, literally a year ago, I looked up in my diary this morning uh, before coming in to record this podcast. On the eighth, uh, on the seventh of April, two thousand and seventeen, I went to bed, and uh, I was in a bad space. I had been sick for a long time. I was leading up to a tour in the U.S. that I ended up having to cancel, and uh, I was probably for the first time in my life feeling hopeless. I didn't think things were going to change. And I lay my head down on the pillow and I had a dream. And in that dream, Katie, my wife and I, we were driving around looking for a new house to live in. And as we were driving, things were grim, it was dark, and uh, we couldn't afford to find anywhere to live. It was Auckland, house prices were cranking, and we just, we were in a place where I was sick and we couldn't work and blah blah Anyways, halfway through the process, I end up saying, Katie, let's pray about this. And we just say, God, we need you to tell us where to look. And the second that we pray it, I get this word come from God that says, Jesus way. 22 Jesus way, actually. So we looked it up on maps. This is all in my dream. And we saw this house and we went to the house and the dream changed. And when we got there, there was this beautiful house with cornfields and tomatoes and luscious like fruits and vegetables lining the whole place. And it was saturated in sun. And I woke up. And as we prayed about it, we felt God saying, I'm going to give you a new life. I'm about to move miraculously in your life to change everything that you're experiencing and seeing. Things are going to look radically different and it's going to be an act of my grace and I'm going to do it for my own reasons in my own ways, which is awesome. The problem was is I was getting more sick by the day. And we were in absolutely no position to move houses. We had really like given up a lot of the luxury of savings and stuff to do music and uh, had found ourselves in this position of like, there was literally nothing we could do. And a couple of months later or a month later, I ended up finding out I had this these mold allergies that were uh, attributed to some of the things in the house and we had to we thought we would have to move house, um, and it was looking pretty grim. In fact, it looked at the dark, it was looking the darkest that it ever had. So we were faced with this decision. God is telling us that He was going to bring resurrection into our life. We were about to be faced with a season where nothing that we saw with our hands and our eyes looked like what God was saying He was going to do. Would we walk into it, or would we not? And we decided to walk into it. We decided to believe it. And it was the hardest thing I think that I've had to walk through in a long time because every part of me felt dead end hopeless in that situation. So we started over time to to talk 
change is coming. We have to trust God. We started looking at every opportunity that came our way in the context of God saying that things are changing. We started to pray about it and we started to talk to each other as if this our situation wasn't going to be like this at Christmas time. And then amazingly, I ended up getting connected with a specialist who finally diagnosed what was going on with my health. And I started to get better really well. I started uh, really fast. So this is kind of like, so it was April. I connected with the specialist in July, August, I think. And I started to get well in September, October. So it's like four or five months later. And then randomly somebody rang us up and said, hey, we're going to put a ventilation system in your home. We realize it's making you sick. And they, they just came around and installed this ventilation system for free. It was incredibly humbling and just a beautiful gift. Things started to change. And it, was, it wasn't fast. It didn't happen overnight. But over the course of about six months, we found that uh, the, the issues in the house that were making us sick in the air uh, and the ranch sliders were replaced, a whole bunch of things. And suddenly our house was dry and warm and our kids weren't sick anymore and we weren't getting sick anymore and I changed my diet radically and I wasn't sick. And things were starting to change, but there was still a slowness in kind of in the way that we felt that our life was moving forward. But then over time, in October, I started Communist Communion. I started blogging and podcasting, thinking that it would be uh, a small thing that would just be a way of me having an outlet for what God was doing, and that grew and grew and grew. And there's lots of details in this story, but basically come January, February this year, we looked back and realized that uh, our whole lives have changed. Our house has changed. Our health has changed. Our situation has changed. I've only been... I've only had one day off work sick in four months. I mean, that is miraculous for me. That's probably the first time I've experienced that in five years. And God has done what he said he would do. But man, it has been so ordinary. And it has felt like we've been living the simultaneous journey of allowing God to speak into our life and then walking into this in our own right ourselves. What's amazing, I have, I think, in the way that God has dealt with me in my life, and as I see it in the scripture too, is that when God says, call something as it is, when he calls us by name and says, I'm going to do this, he takes a long time in doing it. It's not instant. And where that leaves us is in the middle, we are left in this place of practicing newness. We are left in this place of beginning to outwork this word that God has given us in such a way that we're partnering with him, we're walking alongside with him, in bringing beauty to the creation, and bringing new creation into our life, into our mind, our heart, and our spirit. And for the sake of this podcast, I want to call that the Christian practice of newness. A few Sundays back, as I mentioned, it was Resurrection Sunday. And the resurrection is an amazing thing because the resurrection happened in, a, in an incredibly unusual way. Jesus' death was public. It was shameful. His defeat quote, unquote, was a spectacle for everybody to see. And people were expecting Jesus to overcome the Roman Empire. They expected Jesus to become a political figure that in that moment when he uh, came and said that I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem to restore, to bring my kingdom, they were imagining that he would, I guess, reign from the temple or restore Israel's kingship in the earth. Instead, he's crucified on a cross. And a few days later, He's resurrected victorious and triumphant over death, this incredible story. But when he resurrects, he does it out of sight of everybody, in a garden, outside of a tomb, not in a temple. He doesn't declare himself to the Roman leaders of the day. He doesn't declare himself to the religious leaders of the day. In fact, he declares himself first to woman, 
who, according to the culture of the time, didn't even really count as a, a proper witness uh, because of the, the class system that they'd created around men and women. Yet here is Jesus resurrecting, declaring himself to the um, subversed people of his day in a subversive way. The kingdom was born in the midst of turmoil, not instead of it. The kingdom of heaven was born in the midst of Rome, not instead of Rome. Resurrection in that day and in this day right now doesn't replace the turmoil in our lives. It is born in the midst of it. Which means that when God gave us that dream, when he gave me that dream a year ago to this week, which is pretty amazing. I didn't realize that when I woke up this morning to, to, share, on this, to share this with you. When God gave us that dream a year ago, we imagined that someday we would wake up and everything would be changed. The truth was God had resurrected already in our midst and his kingdom was growing in spite of our turmoil, not instead of it. So the kingdom of heaven, resurrection, the Christian practice of newness, is that, not, is that newness doesn't replace death. It is born in the midst of death and it overcomes it through subversion. It subverts our circumstances. That means if you feel like God has spoken to you something to do in your life or that there's a change coming, a restoration about a marriage, a relationship, uh, your finances, your work, your health, your emotional health, uh, maybe hurts from the past. We can often miss out on God doing beautiful things in us because we're waiting for all of that pain to finish and then God's new thing to begin. But the Christian practice of newness is sowing seeds into that life already being born in us in the midst of those things. And even today, 2,000 years after this resurrection, Jesus still rules the world by subverting political powers. Now, maybe if we understood this better, we wouldn't feel like we needed to take things by force. Maybe there would be less war, less self-protection, less cultural protection, less ostracism against the other because we wouldn't see that we have to be the dominant cultural voice to see the kingdom influence our world. We influence it through the subversion of resurrection just as Jesus did. If Jesus didn't need to take over the government in order to plant his kingdom solidly and still see it 2,000 years ago, maybe we don't either. Nobody expected this kind of kingdom. Nobody expected this kind of newness. But there's another aspect of the resurrection that changes how we understand the Christian practice of newness. And this is where the game changes around Jesus. I had this interesting conversation with someone in the last couple of weeks, and we were talking and one of the first things they said to me, and they're a friend of mine, and uh, they're just a beautiful person. I love this person. I respect him hugely. And they said, you know, I, I, I actually adore Jesus, but I hate Yahweh. I adore Jesus because of what he said. His teaching, it makes perfect sense. He cares for people. But God, I don't understand. I don't understand why Jesus needs to be God in Christian theology. So it's, that's how I can't be a Christian. I fully respect that. I understand that. Precisely because Jesus being God is the thing that has separated uh, his followers or his apprentices in history. But what was interesting is the conversation went on. They were describing a situation that they had been trying to, to see transformed in themselves for many years. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't see that change. And when I was talking to them, I said this. I said, bro, this is where Jesus being God 
changes everything. Because the difference between Jesus as a social proclaimer, as a social activist, and Jesus the transformer is that the resurrection means that he has overcome these things that we can't transform ourselves. And he has promised to come and indwell us and through his own strength do them for us. This is the Christian practice of newness. And it changes everything for us. But it also challenges us. And here's why. Because 2,000 years later, as we have celebrated the resurrection and Easter and this whole thing, this is not a theology that we can look at and say, this is nice. This is what differentiates us from any other faith or from just being social justice people or just being political people, whatever. The resurrection separates us because of this. It promises us newness. And that is no small statement. Walter Brueggemann, uh, in his book, The Prophetic Imagination, puts it this way, and it's so much more articulate than I feel like I can be on the subject. The resurrection of Jesus is the ultimate energizing for the new future. The wrenching of Friday had left only the despair of Saturday, and the disciples had no reason to expect Sunday after that Friday. The resurrection cannot be explained on the basis of previously existing reality. The resurrection can only be received and affirmed and celebrated as the new action of God, whose province is to create new futures for people and to let them be amazed in the midst of despair. In other words, when Jesus resurrected, he said this, Miracles can happen. Newness can come. New, new emotional health, new physical, new spiritual. Newness can happen in creation. People can be healed of things. I can do something in your life that seems vastly impossible because I have defeated the systems and the powers that repress newness. So the challenge to us today is that we are forced, if we believe in the resurrection we are forced to 100% believe that tomorrow can be different. We are a people of hope. And as a people of hope, we are the same people who should be able to stand up in Aotearoa and say, today things can be different for our suicide rates. Today things can be different for our mental well-being. Things can be different as we embrace and learn to embrace biculturalism and heal the wounds of our historical past. We believe in the Christian practice of newness. We must fight for resurrecting in our own lives the words God's given us, hopefulness. We must fight for the resurrection of biculturalism and the restoration of honor um, to Maori culture in Aotearoa. We must fight for the depressed, the lonely, and the oppressed to be restored to wholeness because of resurrection. This is the Christian practice of newness. Our believing this is vastly different to anything else the world can understand or experience. And it matters to us individually too. Because many of us are being called into things or out of things at the moment. And we need to have the faith to walk in that. To believe in that again. And to fight for it. So, practically, what does this look like? How can we walk into uh, a newness? How can we practice walking out of an old season and into a new season? 
I just want to share a few things with you that I do, and they're pretty specific to me, but maybe they're helpful to you as well. The first thing is this. Give God's promises time to outwork themselves. Sometimes practicing newness for me has taken 10 years to see the fulfillment. And I've shared that before. Music was one of those things. In this particular circumstance, it took a year of slow progression for God to bring about that newness and is still going with it. Give God time. Do not expect one thing to end and God's newness to begin. Give it time to heal and to grow. Two, begin to walk in the reality of the hope of the promise before it's actualized. If this is true, how does it change how you act today? How do you think today? How you talk with people today? Maybe you need to stop saying, this is my circumstance. I know for me, uh, at New Year's when I was away on holiday, I woke up. This is a pretty strange thing. I'm being pretty vulnerable with you here. And I wrote a letter to my sickness. I just wrote it on my laptop and I said, you know what, sickness? I reject you now. I acknowledge that in some ways I have owned you and allowed you to have control over my life. But now I'm telling you, your time is up. I'm moving on. This is your death notice. I will not allow you to rule my life anymore. And I began to change my language. And for me, part of that was walking into the newness that God had promised even before I felt it. Three, give God his rightful place and opportunity in bringing it to pass. In other words, rest in it. Don't force it. Don't get aggravated. Don't be impatient. Just say to God, this is what you have said. This is what I will allow you to do. And just keep your eyes open and be attentive. Four, do something that represents that change as a usual reminder to yourself. Um, something Katie and I do is like we'll often, when we really feel we're in a transition in life, we buy a new piece of art, like a print or something, and we put it up on the wall. Uh, it could be uh, a piece of jewelry for you. It could be a tattoo. It could be a clothing item. It could be a new journal that you start a new thing. Um that uh, it represents something visually to you. It could be big, it could be small, only you know what that is. Maybe it's something to put on your dashboard on your car, but a little trinket, a little image, an icon, if you would, of something that represents the change that is coming and walk into it. Part of that for Katie and I as well this year has been we've repainted the walls in our house because for us that was a way of acknowledging the dream and speaking into that and saying we are changing and we are, we are doing physical things to remind ourselves of the spiritual things that God is doing in our life. And five, create a new habit that's, that opens up space for the actualization of this newness. What is a new space? Is it a new prayer moment? Is it a new prayer habit? Is it journaling? Is it connecting with a mentor? Is it going to the gym? Is it going to counseling? Is it reading a book? Something I'll often do is when God speaks to me about something is I read a book. I felt God call us to Germany many years ago, and I still feel very called to Germany. So what I do is I... I in seasons when I'm when I'm praying about that and I'm I'm seeking God on it, I'll start to watch more German history films. And I've got a book at home uh, called The German Genius, which is about German history. I read these things, and it's my way of stepping into and practicing the newness that God has given me. So, we are on the other side of resurrection this year. We have been building up to it. We've talked about newness. We've talked about poor in spirit and, and how God is going to redeem the seasons in our life that we're walking through. We've talked about exile and, and the, the way that God forms us in exile. And I really believe now it's time to start practicing newness. And if you've been in exile or if you've been in a difficult season, that's hopefully this is really applicable to you. But if you haven't, there will still be no doubt many things in your life 
that you need to practice this on. Maybe it's the Beatitudes. Maybe it's things that Jesus has taught that you just haven't acted on yet and it's time to practice these things. My encouragement to you is after Resurrection Sunday and in this process that we're working together, come with me on the journey of practicing newness in your life. Give God the opportunity He deserves to do exactly what He wants to do as He loves you, as He beautifies your life, as He awakens you to His imminence, to His closeness in your life, and as He blesses you. So Aro Anui, big love from me and many blessings in Jesus. Thank you.